Chapter 9 of My Southern Home, or The South and Its People. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. My Southern Home, or The South and Its People, by William Wells Brown. Chapter 9 while the peculiar institution was a great injury to both master and slaves yet there was considerable truth in the oft-repeated saying that the slave was happy it was indeed a low kind of happiness existing only where masters were disposed to treat their servants kindly and where the proverbial light-heartedness of the latter prevailed History shows that of all races the African was best adapted to be the hewers of wood and drawers of water. Sympathetic in his nature, thoughtless in his feelings, both alimentativeness and amativeness large, the Negro is better adapted to follow than to lead. His once easily supplied, generous to a fault, large fund of humor, brimful of music, he has ever been found the best and most accommodating of servants. The slave would often get rid of punishment by his wit, and even when being flogged, the master's heart has been moved to pity by the humorous appeals of his victim. House servants in the cities and villages and even on plantations were considered privileged classes. Nevertheless, the field hands were not without their happy hours an old-fashioned corn-shucking took place once a year on poplar farm which afforded pleasant amusement for the outdoor negroes for miles around on these occasions the servants on all plantations were allowed to attend by mere invitation of the blacks where the corn was to be shucked as the grain was brought in from the field it was left in a pile near the corn cribs the night appointed and invitations sent out Slaves from plantations five or six miles away would assemble and join on the road, and in large bodies march along, singing their melodious plantation songs. To hear three or four of these gangs coming from different directions, their leaders giving out the words and the whole company joining in the chorus, would indeed surpass anything ever produced by Haverley's minstrels, and many of their jokes and witticisms were never equaled by Sam Lucas or Billy Curson's. A supper was always supplied by the planter on whose farm the shucking was to take place. Often, when approaching the place, the singers would speculate on what they were going to have for supper. The following song was frequently sung. All them petty gals will be there, shuck that corn before you eat. They will fix it for us rare, shuck that corn before you eat. I know that supper will be big, shuck that corn before you eat. I think I smell a fine roast pig, shuck that corn before you eat. A supper is provided, so they said, shuck that corn before you eat. I hope they'll have some nice wheat bread. Shuck that corn before you eat. I hope they'll have some coffee there. Shuck that corn before you eat. I hope they'll have some whiskey there. Shuck that corn before you eat. 
I think I'll fill my pockets full. Shuck that corn before you eat. Stuff that coon and bake him down. Shuck that corn before you eat. I spec some niggers there from town. Shuck that corn before you eat. Please cook that turkey nice and brown. Shuck that corn before you eat. By the side of that turkey, I'll be found. Shuck that corn before you eat. I smell the supper, that I do. Shuck that corn before you eat. On the table will be a stew. Shuck that corn, etc. Burning pine knots held by some of the boys usually furnished light for the occasion. Two hours is generally sufficient time to finish up a large shucking, where five hundred bushels of corn is thrown into the cribs as the shuck is taken off. The work is made comparatively light by the singing, which never ceases till they go to the supper table. Something like the following is sung during the evening. De possum meat em good to eat. Carve em to de heart. You'll always find him good and sweet. Carve him to the heart. My dog did bark, and I went to see. Carve him to the heart. And there was a possum up that tree. Carve him to the heart. Chorus. Carve that possum. Carve that possum, children. Carve that possum. Carve him to the heart. Oh, carve that possum. Carve that possum, children. Carve that possum. Carve him to the heart. I reached up for to pull him in. Carve him to the heart. The possum, he began to grin. Carve him to the heart. I carried him home and dressed him off. Carve him to the heart. I hung him that night in the frost. Carve him to the heart. Chorus. Carve dat possum, etc. De way to cook de possum sound, carve him to de heart. First, parboil him, then bake him brown. Carve him to de heart. Lay sweet potatoes in de pan, carve him to de heart. De sweetest eaten in the land, carve him to de heart. Chorus. Carve dat possum, etc. Should a poor supper be furnished on such an occasion, you would hear remarks from all parts of the table. Take that roast pig away from this table. What roast pig? You see any roast pig here? Ha, ha, ha. This ain't a place to see roast pig. Pass up some of that turkey with clam sauce. Don't talk about that turkey. He was gone before we come. This is the last time I shucks corn at this farm. This is a cheap farm, cheap owner, and a cheap supper. He's talking it, ain't he? This is the toughest meat that I has been called upon to eat for many a day. You's got to have teeth sharp as a saw to eat this meat. Spose you ain't got no teeth, then what you gonna do? Why, if you ain't got no teeth, you must gum it. Ha, ha, ha from the whole company, was heard. On leaving the corn-shucking farm, each gang of men, headed by their leader, 
would sing during the entire journey home. Some few, however, having their dogs with them, would start on the trail of a coon, possum, or some other game, which might keep them out till nearly morning. To the Christmas holidays the slaves were greatly indebted for winter recreation, for long custom had given to them the whole week from Christmas Day to the coming of the new year. On Poplar Farm the hands drew their share of clothing on Christmas Day for the year. The clothing for both men and women was made up by women kept for general sewing and housework. One pair of pants and two shirts made the entire stock for a male field hand. The women's garments were manufactured from the same goods that the men received. Many of the men worked at night for themselves, making splint and corn brooms, baskets, shuck mats, and axe handles, which they would sell in the city during Christmas week. Each slave was furnished with a pass, something like the following. Please let my boy Jim pass anywhere in this county until January 1, 1834, and oblige, respectfully, John Gaines, M.D., Poplar Farm, St. Louis County, Missouri. With the above precious document in his pocket, a load of baskets, brooms, mats, and axe handles on his back, a bag hanging across his shoulders with a jug in each end, one for the whiskey and the other for the molasses, the slaves trudged off to town at night, singing, Hurrah for good old Massa! He give me the pass to go to the city. Hurrah for good old missus. She build a pot and give me the liquor. Hurrah, I'm going to the city. When the sun rise in the morning, just above the yellow corn, you'll find this nigger has taken warning and's gone when the driver blows his horn. Hurrah for good old massa. He give me the pass to go to the city. Hurrah for good old missus. She build a pot and give me the liquor. Hurrah, I'm going to the city. Both the Methodists and Baptists, the religious denominations to which the blacks generally belong, never fail to be in the midst of a revival meeting during the holidays, and most of the slaves from the country hasten to these gatherings. Some, however, spend their time at the dances, raffles, cockfights, foot-races, and other amusements that present themselves. End of chapter 9 Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista